0: Hello, I'm Miriam. Okay, um, we need to start off before we get into the passage um, by just recognising uh, how we might want to take the book of James. And uh, the thing is with the book of James, the trap that I've found that I can fall into, even just, by, uh, even just by reading it at home, let alone considering speaking about it, the trap that I can fall into with James is when I read the truth, the hard-hitting stuff in it, which, to be honest, you don't have to do a lot of working out to find out what James is saying when you read James. The, the, the easy thing to do for me is to read it and think, hmm, I can think of somebody else this applies to. Oh, this would be really useful for so-and-so to read this. The thing is about the book of James is it's kind of like a mirror. James holds us the mirror of truth. He holds us, uh, through scripture, James holds us the truth of God, and he invites us to look at our own lives in this mirror of truth, to see what is reflected, and then to adjust our own lives to reflect more of the truth of God. But what I find myself doing with James is just gradually turning the mirror to everybody else. And, you know, whilst I'm speaking, it, I, I can justify it as well, by the way, because um, I'll say, let me help you get that speck out of your eye. Don't worry about the plank in mine. I'm just going to hide it behind this mirror. Let me, uh, let me help you become more like Jesus. Look at your own life. Are you okay with what you see? Are you all right with that? Because do, do you know that you reflect Jesus to the world? You are his representation on the earth. Are you okay with how you're representing him and how you act and what you say? Are you all right with what you see? It would be so easy as a preacher to do that, time and time again, even easier in your local church context, because the thing is, I know you, (laughs) right? So I can hold this up and go, do you really want to behave like that? Do you really think that's okay to reflect God's church in that way? Trouble is though, of course, as soon as I do that to you, I have to join you on that side of the mirror, because... When I see myself in the truth that James presents us, when I read the truth of Scripture, I know that I don't reflect Jesus. I know that I have to join you on that side as well and see myself as a hypocrite if I don't. So before we go any further, before we look into this passage today, which, by the way, for this passage, the temptation is to, when we read about the taming of the tongue, to go, I can think of somebody else who this is for, who hurt me with their words, Actually, today, I want to look at this scripture with you and say, it's my tongue that's the problem. It's me that can be really destructive in my words. It's me that James is talking to. And so before we go any further, I'm simply going to pray for myself. And if you want to join me in that, I'm going to pray for us, that we would hold the mirror of truth up to ourselves and keep it there, however uncomfortable that gets. So Lord Jesus, I ask that you would give me the discipline to hold the mirror of truth up to myself as we explore James. Father God, will you help us keep it there rather than judge others? And will we be transformed more like you as we hold truth up to ourselves? In Jesus' name, Amen.
1: Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, because he can keep his whole body in check. Pause.
0: The first place that I want us to stop and consider our own lives in the mirror of truth is to do what, with what James says straight away in the first two verses of chapter three. And he starts by telling us that if you teach, you are held more accountable before God. Now, if anybody knows me, you'll know that my job is uh, to speak uh, in churches a lot around the country. So this really scares me. Because what you'll notice is not only does James say, hey, if you're a teacher, God holds you more accountable for it, but he immediately says, oh, and guess what? Everybody stumbles. There is not a perfect human out there. Nobody um, gets their words right every time. So what I've just learned is that God will judge my words more harshly because I'm influencing people and yet he knows that every human doesn't live up to his standards and can stumble and fall and yet I'm held more accountable before God. That is a really sobering thought. That keeps me in check any time I think I can stand up at G2 with no preparation or uh, haven't really prayed uh, about what I'm going to say or um, I think I can blag it or oh, it, it just keeps me in check if, if anybody were to think that preaching is easy or glamorous because the sobering truth is if you are to preach the word of God if you are to teach the word of God no matter what context whether it's church, cell, cluster kids and youth work this person that you mentor you are held more accountable before God for the words that you say how does that change the way that we speak about people that teach? How does that change the way we might critique them after the gathering, knowing that Jesus is actually keeping their words in check more than you? How does that change maybe the way you either badmouth or pray for those that have to teach the word of God? How does that change the way you yourself teach?
1: Play. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Though they're very large, and they're driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it makes great boasts. Consider a, a great fire, a great forest that's set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the body. It corrupts the whole person. It changes the course of his whole life and is itself set on fire by hell. Many animals and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But the tongue cannot be tamed. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Pause. What
0: comes out of our mouth directs the course of our life and has a say on our death. James just doesn't pull his punches, does he? He gets very serious about not only does what you say actually adjust the way that you live and the way that you journey, but it will even have an effect on your eternity. Which no wonder teachers are held more accountable for that, because a teacher can also direct others. He gives us those helpful pictures, doesn't he? A small bit, you can't even see that in a horse's mouth and yet can change the whole course of direction for an animal. Or a rudder, which is actually under the water in a boat, and yet it can steer a whole ship. And these illustrations actually remind me of the true story of the voyage of the Titanic. Just like the Titanic was referred to as the unsinkable ship, I often think that I... I often think that I'm indestructible. I think I can do what I like with my words, with no consequence. But if it's true... If the Bible is true, that my words direct the course of my life, currently, am I okay with the way my life is going? If I speak destructively about somebody, I've actually changed a direction in the course of my life. Am I okay with that? When I use a casual swear word to make a point or make someone laugh or just get a reaction out of somebody, am I okay with the direction that my life has just turned at that moment? Am I, am I alright? Do I think it's funny to walk away from being more like Jesus? Is that funny? When I insult somebody to make myself feel good, or just to break the tension, or just because I think they need taking down a peg or two, as if I can decide to do that. Am I okay with the direction my life just turned? Do I want to steer along the path of belittling others? When I talk about people behind their back, when I gossip stories that aren't mine to share, when I get frustrated with people and choose to vent it with anybody that will hear, rather than going to Jesus first to find out his opinion, my life has actually changed course in that moment. Do I really want to sail down a path of bitterness or cynicism or frustration or judgment and ultimately destruction? Am I okay that I move away from being like Jesus when I speak like that? Perhaps like those sailing the Titanic, I think I'm unsinkable. I just set sail and I assume I'll be fine and you know what? The consequences won't affect me. But James says the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself on, set on fire by hell. James uses his words, which he knows are, more, power, are like more held accountable words. And these are the words that he chooses to be so serious with us about how we steer our life. And even flagging up the fact that we can go too far. If we don't gain control, if we don't get self-control over our words, you can steer ultimately too far. Essentially, James is shouting to us, iceberg, 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 over what we speak. The danger is we don't heed his warnings. The danger is we think we're unsinkable. And we don't bother adjusting our words. And like the Titanic, we don't turn. We carry on sailing in the wrong direction until ultimately
1: we get destroyed and we will sink. Play. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with the same tongue we curse men that have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives? Can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water.
0: Pause. Here's the last stop, holding up the mirror of truth to our lives again. James tells us that we've got the ability to praise God and in the same breath, curse his image. In case you haven't picked it up already, James is reminding us that the tongue is perhaps the most hypocritical and least self-controlled bit of the whole body. And James actually questions what is really going on with our faith, if we can be that hypocritical. He questions if it's even possible to love and follow Jesus and yet speak the opposite in the same breath. For example... If I sing worship songs to God and then go home and be really horrifically rude to my housemates, or just passive-aggressive even, where's my faith, really? Or what if I pray wonderful prayers to God itself, and then when it gets to the discussion bit, I start bad-mouthing the church, which is Jesus' wife? How can I do that? How can I be that hypocritical in the same breath? Where's my love for God, really, if that so easily happens? Jesus himself makes this same point. In Luke 6, verse 45, he says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I actually think you often discover what the heart's actually full of in moments under pressure. A bit like Holly's talk about basically your reactions really coming out when things are under pressure. What do you then choose to do? Like, for instance, you come across as lovely and gracious and patient until you're tired. And then you get sarcastic and insecure and defensive, which is what I do. And which is what I've done a bit in the last two weeks, to be honest. Another telling moment is what comes out of your mouth in your gut reaction before you've actually had a chance to think. Like, for instance, if you get shock or a surprise, nasty or nice, Or um, someone catches you off guard with a situation or a comment that's a bit left field for you. What's your reaction then? Do you swear? Do you retaliate with an insult, hurt them back verbally? What is it you do as your instinctive reaction before you've had a chance to keep yourself in check? In the cold light of day, you might not have meant that. That might not be you. But if you've left your tongue untrained time and time again... In the moments of being caught off guard, when you actually don't have time to think, you'll default to where you're really at. And the mouth reveals a lot about what's actually in the heart. And that reminds me all over again how much I still need Jesus to transform so much about my heart. So that's the first 12 verses. Take a deep breath in and then breathe out. I wonder how that mirror is looking to you now. Where is it? I wonder whether during me speaking, you've just realised you've gone from that position to that position. And whilst I've been talking, maybe you've started thinking of somebody in the room who this talk is for. Maybe you've started just thinking of other people that have hurt you, and just gradually you've taken the reflection of truth back off your own life to judging others. I'll remind you again, The way that we will be transformed more like Jesus is not to look elsewhere, but to look at our own lives and hold the mirror of truth in front of us. And so I'm simply going to finish by praying for us, because if you're anything like me, you're going to need help. And the only way that you're going to exercise the gift of the Holy Spirit, a fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is self-control, to tame the tongue, is actually asking God to help. So I'm going to pray for myself and for anyone else who wants to join me in this. And I'm very quickly just going to ask for the help of God now before we move on. Because I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. Let's pray quickly. Holy Spirit, presence of God. Thank you that you invite uh, yourself into our lives. And you want to work with us. I ask in the name of Jesus that we would be refilled with the presence of God now. And that a fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives would be self-control over our tongues. I simply ask for your help, Father, because I can't do this on my own. Help us. In Jesus' name. Amen.